From Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network, this is Between Sundays, a conversation about finding the sacred in the everyday. I'm your host, Bobby Sockold. Today on Between Sundays, you'll hear my conversation with Rachel Duplessis. Now, the truth about this episode is we recorded it weeks before COVID-19 measures for preventing the spread had arrived. Before social distancing, live stream church, and face masks were a part of our everyday vernacular. And in some ways, going back to this conversation for me was like remembering what our lives were like just a few months ago. And it felt refreshing to listen to Rachel and think about other big things besides coronavirus. But also, everything that was in our lives before, all the big things anyways, still play a part in our pandemic days. The state of our hearts, the worry about our finances, the habits that ground us in self-care, the goals in our work, the issues we have in our relationships, the problems under the surface in our marriages or family relationships. And all of our relationships take work in or out of a pandemic. And the gift of this moment is to do that work, to listen well to ourselves and to turn to those who shape our most intimate circles and listen well there too. The conversation with Rachel focuses on what goes wrong in relationships and specifically how contempt plays a part. You know contempt, right? That deep disdain, that constant negativity, the behavior that erodes relationships, and I'd even say our societies. And shortly after Rachel and I finished this recording, she mentioned a few things I want to set here in the intro before the conversation starts. Just some things for you to keep in mind. In order to prevent the spread of contempt in our relationships, we need to develop a culture of appreciation and a habit of generous assumptions. This is about addressing complaints as they come up and assuming the best, and looking for the positive in the people we have committed to love. Keep this wisdom in mind as you listen today. Whether you have a romantic partner or not, this is a great episode to dig into. All your relationships will thank you for it. We make Between Sundays on the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region of southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. It's a privilege to make a podcast on this land. So let's get into it. Welcome to Between Sundays. Welcome to the conversation. When we think about faith and we think about like inner wellness, Mm. uh, I'm sure that, what do I want to ask here? I'm sure that those things are quite integrated for you because you're, you've studied, this is your career, uh, psychology, therapy, all of that. But sometimes we don't often think about the integration, or I think it's not always as um, obvious for people, the sort of inner wellness and mental health integration with like faith communities. What are some things, like how are those things integrated for you? 
for me. Yeah. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I, f- I feel like it's something that we could actually spend our whole time on and not even scratch the surface. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't always know that I even have the right language for mm. it. Um, but I find, uh, maybe in its simplest form, the more connected I am to myself in a healthy way, the more connected I feel to a sense of spirituality, um, mm. a sense of connection to others and then to the divine mm. as well. That's yeah. beautiful. That's great. <laughs> That's a good starting point. So did you set out to, uh, study psychology no. right away? You did <laughs> I not. did not. You did not. Okay. So tell us about that. Uh, I laugh because I was adamant that I was going to become a dentist a my dentist? whole life. <laughs> What could the connection be? Like roots? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't read too I mean, much into it. <laughs> my dental uh, hygiene is, is a part of my self-care. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so you set up to be I a just, dentist. Yeah, because yeah. I, um, I love biology. Oh. Um, and I, as a kid, I loved going to the dentist. <laughs> I know. I'm like the only person I know who loved it that much. Can you identify what, what it was about the experience? I, or You know, um, I think part of it was um, the dentist and the dental hygienist that I went to as a kid were amazing. Wow. They were lovely people. Um, and I just thought like, wow, this person has studied so hard. Yeah. Um, and has this like great job that she yeah. seems to love. Yeah. Um, I enjoy going. Wow. So yeah, maybe I would like to provide this type of experience for You're other people. You're a big family too. I am. Right? Yeah. So I wonder too, if there was like, it, cause a dentist experience is just like you in a chair. I know. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not quite sure what that was about, but yeah. it was like, they were caring for me. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I also am kind of struck by, we never really know what children are picking up from us yeah like you sensed an invitation into a career yeah because of how people treated you nicely in the dental so chair <laughs> which is profound and kind of frightening yeah. <laughs> uh, but kind of beautiful so you set out you thought dentistry is for mm-hmm. me I love biology can you mm-hmm. re- think back to any memory of like first your first sense of love for biology I always think like women in the sciences and the maths is is pretty interesting like, where did that come uh, from or start for you? I don't even know. Like, I remember always enjoying science class. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did pretty well in it. Yeah. It seemed, like, the concept seemed to make sense to me. Yeah. Um, and I got a, I probably got a sense of, like, accomplishment from oh, yeah. doing yeah. well yeah. in something like that. Um, yeah. Do you remember I, any, like, chapter or content that you loved, like you were like, oh my gosh, the dissection of the worm is amazing or <laughs> like c- cell meiosis or mitosis yeah. or something like nothing. Not, not, yeah, not, um, specifically. Okay. Yeah. Um, out of like, uh, like chemistry, physics, biology, yeah. I love biology yeah. the most. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. So you, so you started down that path in your mm-hmm. undergrad. Mm-hmm. How far did you get? I got two years in to doing uh, like a major in biology yeah, and, uh, started to realize that, um, it wasn't what I thought it was entirely. Wow. Like there was, oh. there were certain courses that were part of it that really threw me off. Um, I did not do well in them. Hmm. And I think that's probably when I started to kind of 
reflect and go, okay, like, what am I doing with my life? I'm, um, I'm not getting the grades that I actually need to move forward mm-hmm. with dentistry. I still like most of this content, but not all of it. Okay. What am I doing here? Yeah. Um, and were you able to ask that question out loud or was that quite an internal? Both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, I was really fortunate to have uh, the roommates that I did and, mm. um, we all kind of like struggled with things together okay. and so I was able to be like, this is happening. Yeah. I don't know what to do with about okay. it. I thought about quitting school and becoming a hairdresser. Oh, <laughs> we always I actually, have great hair. Well, I, and I <laughs> love playing with people's hair too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. but yeah, I didn't end up. Right. So how, how, how soon were you able to make a switch? So two years in, you're like, uh-uh. Yeah. With psychology then like, okay, I think this it was, is a good option. Yeah. I had taken like one or two psych courses okay. and been like, oh, I actually am really fascinated by this. Uh, and so was it kind of the, like the brain stuff? or like theory or, uh, people's stories. Was there, um, like what was it about psychology? Yeah. Um, I think it was like trying to understand, um, what makes people tick and like, um, things that like maybe environmental forces Mm. and like internal predispositions that Mm. kind of come together and like set a person on a particular path and just like trying to understand those types of things and then understand like what, um, you know, how do people, you know, choose differently and, um, how do they take control over their lives and Mm. and that kind of thing maybe. Yeah. Um, and then, but in conjunction with like the biology part of it. So I ended up doing a double major. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. So I kept going with biology because oh. I was, you know, yeah. pretty far along um, by the time I actually made the switch into okay. the double major. Um, and so then for my last few years, I got to focus more on psychology as okay. well. Okay. So yeah. what did you graduate with? Um, uh, like a double major. Yeah. yeah. In, psychology in psychology and biology. biology. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what kind of, I mean, you don't have to talk in great length about this, but obviously you don't go from finishing your undergrad to practicing Mm -hmm. psychology. What's that section of training like once you finish your undergrad? Yeah. So that's actually one of the things that had initially, um, why I hadn't gone into psychology in the first place was I thought that you had to um, go on and complete a PhD to become okay. a psychologist. Okay. Cause I was going to school in Ontario and in Ontario, you do have to do a PhD to be oh. called a psychologist. Okay. Um, but in Alberta, you don't, it's a master's degree <gasps> Okay. Yeah, okay. in okay. counseling or clinical psychology. Right. There's a few different types social of Social work as well could yeah. transfer that way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Some social workers do like a clinical route and become therapists. Okay. okay. Yeah. And did, you didn't do your master's degree out there? No, I did it here. Here. Yeah. Okay. So you came back mm-hmm. settling into life and then right away, did you pursue grad school? Uh, basically. Okay. Yeah. Cause I finished my undergrad in December, um, okay. and then started the master's in September. Okay. Yeah. And it, of the field of psychology, is there an area that you're most interested in? Um, uh, well I'm doing counseling psychology. Okay. So I'm, for me, that's, um, that's the it. most interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would a, some of the other ones be just yeah, in context? Like, like school psychology oh, yes. okay. or, um, industrial organizational okay. psychology. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. 
There's a handful of them. Yeah, right there is. Okay. Yeah. Like and um, doing counseling. kind of like forensic psychology. Oh, okay. One. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so your title would be? My title's uh, registered psychologist. Got it. And yes. what uh, what initials are after your name? R Psych. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a book. I've been reading a book and there are three titles, uh, you know, after this. It's like oh, a, yeah. it's a something, something social work and some other things. And I was like, I don't know what any of these letters mean. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. theoretically, I could also put like BSC yeah. for my bachelor's and yeah. then MA for my master's right. of arts in counseling okay. and then our psych. But okay. Our psych. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. there's, yeah, a few different designations yeah. that allow people to practice therapy in Alberta. Right. Okay. Uh, are other provinces similar or is Alberta one of the only ones that, do you know? Um, you, uh, like it depends by province, but yeah. some of them are going to the model where it's like, um, PhD, you can okay. be called a psychologist Yeah. with a master's level. You're called like a psychotherapist oh, or something like that. Okay. So you can still do counseling. Yeah. Um, but it's just like this distinction, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Cause when I moved here from BC, I was meeting all of you <laughs> uh, yeah. psychologists. I remember thinking like, how are there so many psychologists? But it made sense. You have grad school degrees yeah. and you're able to kind of run into the field that way. Yeah. And okay. like psychologists in Alberta go through um, like a, a process after their master's okay. Okay. to become registered that involves like right. supervised hours and exams and okay. that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a pretty big deal. You're like mucking about in people's brains yeah. <laughs> minds and emotions sure you, yeah. like, you have to do that work it's true yeah. i want people to have like some sort of be some sort of licensing yeah. and like legitimizing of yeah. each person uh what what um sort of populations have you worked with or have been most interested in working with yeah um i did a lot of like general counseling for the first few years after um after i graduated and um like uh, I probably like the bulk of that being through um, like a nonprofit agency where kind of anybody who walks through the doors, yeah, we would see them. Um, and then I did a brief stint in grief counseling for children. Okay. And I'm now working uh, in the trauma field uh, specifically with first responders. Yeah. Wow. This question's just occurred to me. Like what, do you get nervous before you're about to meet do, uh, is language client? Yes. Yes. A client for the first time. Like, what is that? I that used moment? to like, get used really to? nervous. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, I don't. You don't at no. all. So how did you move from nervousness to not feeling nervous? Practice. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, the first session is really like a lot about just getting to know the person and allowing them to get to know me to the degree that they want to. Okay. Um, and, um, and just hearing their story and, um, starting to pull out the pieces of, um, kind of like a general type of assessment to go, okay, okay where is this person coming from? Where are they wanting to go? Um, and then filling in the blanks in the middle, right? right. How are we going to create a roadmap right. together to get there? So in some ways, the first one's the easy one. Yeah, <laughs> it can be. I okay. mean, there, there are always times when... Okay. Um, that's not the case. And there's something like pretty significant mm -hmm. going on, like immediately, like in a kind of a crisis, crisis. situation. Okay. And that's always a bit harder. I find. Yeah. Right. Cause you're yeah. just also still trying to like make connection, exactly. figure out the context and then deal with yeah. something more heightened. Yeah. Wow. What energizes you about the work that you do? Um, seeing clients, um, 
take something that we've talked about and then actually applying it and then come back the next week or two weeks or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, this really sat, like I, I took this with me and I've been sitting with it and, and here's how I've tried to apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or I just like seeing kind of progress, you know, yeah. over time, like those types of things. I know um, that you can't tell us stories about people, <laughs> <laughs> but it would be interesting to know what that, like, what, what would be an example of somebody taking a real thing and like implementing that into their real life. Yeah. Well, I think maybe in connection to what we're going to talk about, um, you know, for, if, uh, you know, two people are coming for couples counseling and we can kind of drill down to like, Hey, this is a specific issue that's, that's happening that we can see. Um, and then going, okay, let's build an intervention around this. Like, what are we Mm going to do differently Mm -hmm. and practice that during Mm -hmm. the week? And then they come back and, um, sometimes they're like, we failed miserably. It was so hard. And so it's like, okay, like let's, let's look at it again. Let's fix, um, the kinks in it. Um, and other times, um, they come back and they're like, yeah, like that thing was hard to do, but we did it and it changed the outcome of that interaction. Right. I often think about, uh, the work, the work that you do and others like you do in terms of like tools in a tool belt, like, yeah. like a, a how often we go to reach for something in a relationship or stress or, and, and we just like either have a tool that doesn't work for the job yeah, or we like just, we're never given the tool. It's like, yeah. And you're it's, like yeah, trying to reach for something totally. and nothing's coming up. And so maybe yeah. you've developed patterns or habits and, uh, it's been helpful for me to like realize, Oh, it, it's, it's sort of no fault of mine I'm just missing a tool yeah. I need to find somebody who can help me like get the right tool for That's this thing a really compassionate response <laughs> I, yeah but I, I yeah. think it's true for all of us it there's is. no way you yeah. you're fully formed all yep. the time and um all the complexities of relationship but um that's that's neat to think about so give me a f- I, I'm calling this the feelings fact sheet like okay what is sort of emotions 101 you know, here are some, you know, feeling facts. Like what, what should we be mindful of when Mm. it comes to our emotions and feelings? Okay. (laughs) Um, well, emotions aren't good and they're not bad. They just are. Just are. This is profound actually. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I did a wedding and I used some language. This was years ago. Mm. And I, the language was something something that passed judgment on a feeling and this woman was so gracious to me the bride and was is like it's not a bad thing I, I, I would prefer that we don't add a value you know mm-hmm. bad or good to the mm-hmm. thing and I, you know those moments that are just so bright you're like yeah. didn't know it now I know yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it felt really important so that mm-hmm. that seems really valuable that that even the ones that are ugly, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe we think of anger, you know, yeah. isn't, it's not bad. Yeah. It's, what are some of the other things we'd say about It's them? giving us information. Okay. Yeah. About maybe what's going on inside of us, like mm-hmm. our response to a situation, or maybe it's what's going on outside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Giving us information about what, what situation we're in or how do we want to respond? How do we want to move forward? from this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, uh, it can be hard to like initially start looking at emotions that way, but, um, kind of making that shift can be really valuable. 
Hmm. Um, in, in being compassionate towards ourselves when we're feeling those difficult feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, we're, I, I don't know if you can, uh, take me here, but like, what do I want to ask? Like, where did feelings come from? Why is it important in our evolution as a species oh, yeah. that we have emotions? Like, well, what does that yeah. evolutionarily like I add mean, to if our... you look at babies, yes. um, you know, they're, that's their way of communicating. Okay. Right? Is crying. Yeah. Um, so it's just survival. So, yeah. Like crying when I'm hungry. Yeah. So that, uh, mom knows to feed me. Yeah. Um, also like smiling and being social and giggling and that kind of thing. Right. Um, creates a connection with the, the adults in your life so that they're more likely to care for you in times of danger. Mm. So there's like a social. (laughs) (laughs) I totally get it. Like you tricked me into loving you. (laughs) Yeah. Like emotions are like social, right? They carry. Yeah. Social value. Right. Yeah. Which is, uh, uh, like attachment stuff Mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, connections that help us form strong emotional bonds so we can like have some flourishing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, Mm. yeah, we're extremely emotional, um, beings. Yeah. Um, and when we're not, we're disconnected from ourselves and others. Yeah. And why is that bad? Like, why is the disconnection bad? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's maybe it would be safer or, Oh, to, to just like, yeah, yeah. to protect your vulnerability in that way. Yeah. But you know, when we start talking about that, um, then we're going to start talking about, you know, depression and anxiety and, um, and like lots of other things, right. Right. Um, for like, we're hardwired for connection. Hmm. Um, and when we don't have that, um, we suffer. Yeah. So it's never, we're never just like, okay, I'm safe now from getting hurt. It's like a, it will, it will get worse. There, there's nothing's just static. Is that, can you, like, if I think, um, I'd rather not feel Mm -hmm. it's too hard to feel. Mm -hmm. I'll just, I mean, we're not consciously thinking these things. We do this, right? Like I numb out, I'm Mm -hmm. gonna, uh, try to avoid like feeling this uh, tough stuff. Uh, but then it moves into like maybe for a day I didn't feel hurt, but I also after didn't that, feel connected. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I didn't feel joy. Right. Um, you can't have one without the other, really. You can't um, have one without like, the other. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have joy without sadness. Which is interesting. I I came across some reminders about uh, some schools of thought and philosophy, mm. and had read this thing that. Um, a thing can only properly be understood through contrast with its opposite, mm-hmm. the oppositional object. Ideas are shaped and sharpened by their, uh, their dialectic opposites. So that, that thing of like, if I am afraid of feeling sad, mm-hmm. I, or, I mean, if I cut myself off from feeling sad, then I'm less likely to feel yeah. happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like it's the idea of like selectively numbing emotions. Mm. You can't really do that because when you start to numb one of them, it's going to start permeating the rest of them. Say that again. You can't selectively, can't selectively numb emotions. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Can, yeah. Can you, can you keep talking about that? Yeah. Um, it's just like the idea of, um, those ugly feelings, right? Yeah. The difficult feelings. Um, that's what I usually like to call them. Um, they, they cause like this, this reaction in us sometimes, right? It's not just about that feeling itself. It's like our react or a response or a reaction to having those difficult feelings, um, that makes us maybe want to distance from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we start doing that on a regular basis, um, it also, like, we also stop feeling like the, maybe the higher highs, like, um, the, the extent of excitement or joy Mm. or something that you maybe have enjoyed in the past, um, isn't going to be as, as pleasurable anymore Mm. because you're so focused on not feeling the difficult stuff. Uh, it just kind of spills over. That makes sense. Um, and yeah. so like if you're for to kind of like graph it, right? Yeah. The the highs and the lows end up becoming narrower. Mm. Um so they're they're less high highs and uh, but also less low lows, mm-hmm. but then you're ending up just kind of being a little number. Yeah, you're so you're, you're surviving, middle, like, but yeah. like the, you're not thriving. Yeah. Uh or feeling yeah, sort of the depths of those things. Yeah, which I think might take away a little bit from mm-hmm. like that human experience because mm-hmm. it is human mm-hmm. to experience like it a is whole, human. Yes, <laughs> all of it. Yes, <laughs> to, to experience a whole range of emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what are the gifts that are present in in the exercise of naming how we feel? Like, how is that? Uh, yeah. Good. How was it good? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's good. And I'm like reflecting on my own experience mm-hmm. here. Um, like I find it, it's good for me to be able to name what I'm feeling, um, because it provides some clarity, mm. um, towards, uh, maybe getting to the root of why I'm, f- I'm feeling a certain way. Um, once I know what I'm feeling, then I can go, Oh, Okay. I'm feeling sad. Now, why am I feeling like, what is mm-hmm. it that kind of triggered that? Mm-hmm. And so then I can, can start to, um, to, to understand patterns in my life. Mm. Um, and maybe my, lend my responses to them. Yeah. But it's also a gift to others around us. Oh, um, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> maybe even more. I don't know. Right. Um, when we're able to name mm. our, our feelings and our responses, um, and share that with somebody, mm-hmm. they're not left in the dark anymore right. um, about what's going on in the relationship. Huh. Like they can kind of track with you what is happening. Uh. And um, if there's a, an issue, it's like, okay, then let's work on that. Hmm. We can do something about it. Right. Um, rather than just kind of, you know, sweeping it under the rug and, yeah. um, and it potentially happening over and over and over again. Right, right. right. Patterns seem to... Yeah, that seems to be an interesting piece of this emotional conversation. Yeah. The patterns we develop. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to talk about a particular (laughs) ugly emotion or difficult feeling or um, ugly feeling. And I... I put this one on the table for us mm-hmm. and we can kind of dance around it or uh, find other words for it or expand upon it. But I wanted to spend some time talking with you 
about the ugly feeling of contempt. Mm -hmm. Now, when I think about this word contempt, I go to a situation uh, okay. in, in where I witnessed a conversation between two people. They were on the phone. I don't think they realized like how, how close I was. And I remember thinking, these two people are kind and loving people, but they are terrible at talking to each other. And this was a relationship that had a lot of history and a lot of, it, it was quite fraught. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking, and maybe at the time I was doing some reading around relationships and that word had come up and sort of spotting, spotting contempt. They had contempt for each other. I could hear it in their tone. Yeah. I could, and I remember thinking, wow, like there's, I don't, I, there's nothing quite like this. Like we're two people who can show a lot of love and care to a lot of people, but when they faced each other, it was so fraught and yeah. chilling. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I always go to that moment and I, I thought, I've thought a lot about it over the years. Like mm. they never set out, you know, to, to develop a yeah. relationship that got that chilly yeah. <laughs> uh, and cold. Um, so I go to a bit of a, a situation, uh, but I wonder if you, we could just begin by di um, defining the term. Mm -hmm. uh, what is contempt? What are maybe some of the cousins of contempt? Right. What yeah. are some of the emotions alongside of, or the feelings alongside of it? So what would you say about yeah. what contempt is? Like I automatically go to um, John and Julie Gottman's work yes. around contempt yeah. um, and it being like the number one relationship killer. So tell people what, who, yeah, yeah, who they are, who, who the Gottmans are. Yeah. The yeah. Gottmans are, um, they're, they've been doing research for years and years and years on, um, relationships. And, um, uh, John is more of the researcher and Julie has been more of the therapist and okay. they've kind of combined their work, um, and uh, have a lot of really great kind of science-based information about um, about relationships and what makes them thrive and what uh, kills them. And they yeah. they did like these studies, right, mm -hmm. where they had couples sit in a room that was kind of like a, a living room, and they would collect all kinds of interesting data yeah. around conversations, and they could predict within moments, right? Like, is this a relationship that will continue or yeah. will end. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with things that connected back to contempt. Like you said, this was like one of the, or yeah. if not the major relationship, mm -hmm. uh, horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. So there <laughs> were four of them yeah. that they, that they described as being really detrimental to, right. to relationships when they show up. Yeah. Um, but they also described what, um, what people do who, um, who are masters of relationships, I think is the term oh, they used. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Masters and disasters. Oh, is it? Oh, man, I've read yeah. some Gottman um, books, but I don't remember yeah, all and, of it. And yeah. so their, yeah, their, their study, I think the one that you were referencing was um, The Love Lab, where okay. they actually had yes. couples come and stay overnight yes, in that's this it. Like, simulated apartment. That's it, yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they would, they would um, videotape them and like um, track and... Uh, code, code their responses to okay. each other um like positive and negative responses to okay. each other and just interactions in general and also take like um physiological data ah. like for example like when two heart folks rating. are fighting mm -hmm. with each other they would um you know track heart rate um changes in skin conductivity mm. um yeah and um 
the amount of like stress hormones going through their body. Okay. 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 Yeah. So did we, how would we define contempt? Contempt. Yeah. So, um, they talk about it being, um, it's a behavior. Okay. Um, that includes, um, like eye rolling and mockery, name calling, um, you know, a couple other things that communicate to your partner. Uh, I'm coming from a place of superiority Hmm. and you're not worth listening to. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so like even in just that, you can see how like detrimental that would be to a relationship. Right, right, right. Like, I mean, whether people are in relationships like that. I mean, how how do you think people when they're in in relationships that have this really strong dynamic of contempt, how aware are they, or is it like Mm. the frog in the pot as the water's been? turned up and like I think that's probably more likely is that this is something that's developed over time Mm -hmm. and there have been a lot of um behaviors that have happened that have led up to this kind of more extreme form Mm -hmm. um that's that's happening right like usually (laughs) most people aren't gonna go into a relationship being like uh, this person's great. They are uh, constantly talking down to me. They call me these really mm-hmm. terrible names. Like mm-hmm. I want to live with that. Like right. It's. I think it's more likely to develop over time. Over time. Yeah. Right. And it, when things kind of go unchecked. Right. Yeah. So, what are some of the forces that shape contempt in a relationship? Um, like one of the things would be. Um, complaints or kind of like issues that have been happening that Mm. go unaddressed, Mm. um, that kind of build up, um, and then end up with the, usually the person who's displaying the contempt, um, then starts to think really negatively about their partner, Mm -hmm. like, and ruminating on like Mm. the negative aspects, like so much so that it like completely obliterates like that partner's, um, positive aspects. Okay. Yeah, it's just such yeah. an interesting dynamic. Like, yeah. I, I do weddings all the time. And, you know, I sit down with people mm-hmm. and they tell me their really lovely love story. You know, and you can't know, like, what's going to happen 10 years. Yeah. You know, no, like you said, you're not often choosing a relationship yeah. that's, like, quite toxic. But it something becomes, things become, mm-hmm. you know, people don't sign up to get married so that they can end the marriage, you know, 15 yeah. years later. Yeah. Um, but it seems like contempt is such a force. Yeah. A destructive force. Yeah. 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 That it, yeah, it is. Um, and I think eventually some, some of those relationships, like the person who is the receiver Mm -hmm. at some point will just go, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like this is hurting too much. Yeah. So if we were to put some feelings around contempt, what, Mm. what are some, what's some of the emotional landscape? Yeah, like anger and disgust. Anger and disgust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like this gross combination of, yeah. of the two of them. Huh. Right. There's um when I, and when I'm thinking about those two, it's like anger that there are probably these things in the relationship that have mm-hmm. gone unaddressed. Right. Um, and there's probably some like accurate part of that anger, right? Mm-hmm. But um if you're not addressing it, mm-hmm. right, and then it starts to fester. Right. Um, it gets ugly real fast. It does. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what is the, 
effect of uh, growing up around a relationship that mm. has a lot of contempt in it. Um, well, there's learning, yeah. right? Like you learn that like, this is what relationships yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or learning that you yourself, like I'm thinking about a child, right? Observing yeah. that pattern in a parent or in both in parent, parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you learn that maybe I, I don't have a lot of, of worth. Hmm. Um, if I'm constantly being treated like that, mm-hmm. or I see my, one of my parents being treated like that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it becomes maybe normalized. Yeah. Um, in an unhealthy way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too, to think about humor, uh, and yeah. the ways that yeah. couples or partners develop humor that, you know, how does it, or what is it like when it goes from like playful to sort of, mean uh, and targeted. To, yeah, to mean and targeted. Yeah, because that's, that is another form of contempt, right? Is yeah. that like, um, destructive type of humor? Yeah. Yeah. And then what do kids take out of that? Yeah. Or just, right? yeah. I, I just interesting to think about, uh, I, I mean, I love to laugh mm-hmm. and I, I, and, and part of, um, partnership and intimacy, whether it be a romantic partnership or with friends or, you know, any of that, like part of it is the playful, um, like poking fun at, you know, when it's safe and you really trust the person. And I mean, that's key, right? Yeah. Safe and trust. Okay. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Um, well, you're just describing something really beautiful, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in relationships where there is there's safety, mm-hmm. um, there's reliability too. Oh, like I know idea. that this person means well by yeah. this humor, yeah. um, and it's consistent. Yeah. Um, uh, you know those those are conditions yeah. around um, you know trust and stuff right. like that. And um, in a in a relationship where there's contempt, it's not emotionally safe. Uh, um, it's gotten to that point where um, they do mean to hurt you. Hmm. Um, and it's not safe to the, in an emotional sense. It's actually not safe in a physical sense either. Oh, tell me about that. Um, because, uh, again, going back to the Gottman's research, they yeah. found that... Um, in contemptuous relationships, the partners are way more likely to experience infectious illnesses. It makes you sick. It makes you sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Like they're more susceptible to the flu and the common Just cold and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like your immune system functioning actually is altered by it. Wow. Yeah. Is that crazy? Yes. Yeah, because you think, oh, it's, it's it's this dynamic. You don't think, oh my gosh, it's also like my body and yeah. my wellness and yeah. how I like feel um, getting through the day. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking about this moment uh, when I think was it yesterday I was like, I keep a bullet journal and it is it brings me great joy in my life to like make lists and I really like the bullet journal system and it's lovely and yeah. I was... 
writing out the new calendar. I do like yoga with Adrian calendar. Uh, every month she has like a new theme. So I write it out and I like get my ruler out and like make it look lovely nice. in a way. <laughs> and then I, for some reason I said to Jonathan, um, uh, you know, so nerdy and like straight. I was like, I'm, I, the journal I have doesn't have the dots, you know, like the ones you can get. So I ha- it takes me a little longer, you know, to do this thing in this way. Uh, it's not quite perfect. And he just looked at me and he was like, I love you, Bobby. You know, there was, I, I realized after I said it, I was like, what a nerd. <laughs> and I was like, I bought this one on sale and the other one would make it easier right. for me, but I'm struggling here to get the lines straight. And he, you know, had such a tender way of yeah. like kind of making fun of me, yeah. but it was so safe yeah. and like so much, it was just full of a lot of like tenderness right. and delight. Even yeah. though he was like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, yeah. I don't, what a funny thing to say out loud. You know? Um, so I, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that's uh, lovely. There's like emotional yeah. safety there. Totally. And, that I yeah. could just have like let my guard down. I mean, it's just yeah. a little thing, but I realized when I said it, I'm like, hey, he doesn't care about this kind of thing. <laughs> B, what a geek I am on a Saturday <laughs> night. It's like drawing lines in my So great. And it was lovely. Um, one of the things I, I came across this quote that kind of brings together um, unhealed trauma in mm. in light of sort of our conversation around contempt. So I wanted to read it to you and yeah. sort of see where you take it. So this is from a book called um, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies mm. by Resma Manikim. I don't know if you've, I just, you know, when you're at a bookstore and a book is like, Oh, you're like, I have to take you home with me. Yeah. So I've been reading it. I'm going to read it through Lent. And I highlighted this with you in mind. So he writes this. Uh, when therapists work with couples in crisis, we often discover that at least one partner has unhealed trauma. We also commonly find that the partnership is configured so that the trauma gets repeatedly reenacted and sometimes passed back and forth between the two people. Healing trauma becomes the first step to mending the relationship. Mm. So I was thinking about that in terms of, I know, again, back to Gottman's work, the language of bids and Mm -hmm. needs Mm -hmm. is really significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wondered if you could sort of speak to that with, you know, these cross sections of your own sort of professional space of like trauma Mm. and needs not being met Mm -hmm. and how that gets taken out in again partnerships but other relationships as well yeah what comes to mind for you first that I'm just like yeah I want to sit with that Mm. for a minute um it seems like a yeah like a a significant piece Mm mm-hmm um yeah like the the bids and the needs part right so bids are are just kind of any anything you throw out to your partner um it could be just like a comment Mm -hmm. that you're looking for them to just acknowledge um, it could be like, Hey, I'm looking for you to do this thing for me or just for us in general. Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to respond to that? How mm-hmm. are they going to respond to that? Um, and 
we are usually throwing those out towards our partner that's based out of some kind of need, mm-hmm. whether it's like a need for um, belonging mm-hmm. or safety or, mm-hmm. you know, just looking for reassurance. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be practical needs, like taking mm-hmm. out the garbage. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and then you kind of throw trauma into that mm-hmm. mix. Um, and I think trauma can often change how we throw out those bids. Oh. Um, because when trauma has happened, um, I think often there's an aspect of like, there was a need Mm -hmm. and it went unmet in a very significant way. Mm -hmm. Um, or it was punished. Oh, like you were punished for having that Mm -hmm. need. Um, and so then the way you throw out a bid is going to look different um, because there's no safety there. Right. I think the bids and needs um, stuff is super interesting. Um, uh, Jonathan and I live in a really small place and sometimes just to like give each other space, we both wear uh, noise canceling headphones. <laughs> yeah. And if I haven't seen that he's put his on and I say something to him and I don't hear a response back. It's like so shocking to me because I have such a great partner. He would never let my bid go unacknowledged. Mm -hmm. Like I just lucked out in every way, (laughs) but that I noticed that moment when I think, Oh my gosh, like he's not responding. It feels again, where I don't, what does it feel? I, I feel there's something quite crushing about it. And then I look around, you know, the little divider in between yeah. the kitchen and the living room. I'm like, oh, he just did not hear me yeah. <laughs> because he has the headphones right. on. But those are moments where I realize, like, that's how important. Even just saying, like, what's the weather today? And getting someone responding yeah. back yeah. is just, it's always reassuring yeah. our connections. Like, it's fine, it's safe, you belong. It's fine, it's safe, you belong. Yeah, totally. And the moment... For me, even just like one bid, not landing, and it's not Jonathan. It's like just he yeah. did not hear me. Yeah, he was like caught up in a song he liked, you know, and yeah. I couldn't hear it. Is it is so significant? I could mm-hmm. imagine like how that would erode. Yeah, a lot in relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were talking about like when we get to the point of contempt, it's like mm-hmm. bits have gone. Um, unacknowledged for so long, mm-hmm. um, or they've been punished. Like oh, the I person responds with like, um, what's the weather? Like, check it yourself. Oh, right? oh. I can't imagine. <laughs> like, that would make me so sad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. it's been that for, you know, who knows Decades how long for some people, for some people. Yeah. 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 Oof. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more, like we were throwing around this word trauma. Oh um, yeah. How, you know, how does one know like they hold trauma mm. in their life? Like what are some indicators that like, Hey, maybe this thing is a bigger deal than you realize or, you know what? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've done a, a few different rounds of therapy and, uh, and I had a moment that was incredibly powerful when I was just explaining something that seemed just like, oh, this is the thing. And like the therapist was like, Bobby, like that was a tra- that was traumatic. And she named it. And I was like, 
I lost my shit. Like I, mm-hmm. I just, I'd been walking around with these kinds of memories, mm-hmm. having no, you know, somebody sat, needed to sit across from me and be like that thing. And as soon as yeah. she said, I was like, of course, like, yeah. that was significant. But like, how do we go about realizing like, Ooh, like, yeah. What, are, what is What could that look like for someone? Yeah. And it's, Interesting as you say that too, because not like two people could experience the exact same thing yes. and one person feels like it's trauma and yeah. the other person is doesn't. Well, look at siblings in a family, yeah. right? That, that, yeah. that somebody could be quite traumatized from a family uh, pattern and, and another, their needs were met fairly well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you've just drawn, like, f- f- uh, drawn a, a parallel there yeah. about needs, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when I think about like needs, maybe being punished, okay, um, or going unmet, mm-hmm. um, that's probably more of developmental, okay, type type stuff, yeah, um, developmental trauma, right, um, as opposed to maybe events that might happen, mm. you know, like a, yeah, witnessing something, yeah, really terrible. or having something that threatens your well being okay. happen, okay, but you're asking about. Maybe some of like the symptoms, yeah. the signs. Yeah, like how do yeah. you know that you might, you might, I think yeah. a lot of people who are holding some trauma don't have that word for themselves. Yeah. Like this is a trauma. Yeah, um, yeah I would um, probably ask about um, how they experience their memories. Ah. Um, is there, are there certain things that you can't think about? Ah. Otherwise, you'll experience certain reactions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those being like, maybe there's like anxiety immediately comes up. Right. Or something like that. Right. Or um, like it, an intense for like anger um, mm. could be. Mm-hmm. For some people, it won't be. Right. Um, Maybe some guilt about like not being able to do something or help someone or um, help themselves even. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Often. Yeah. And those differences being guilt. I did something bad. Yeah. uh, Oversimplifying shame being I am bad. Totally. That's Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, And, but guilt, as you mentioned, like, you know, there might be, like a form of kind of like accurate guilt of like, actually yes. you did do something that right. hurt somebody else. Right. That's an important thing yeah. too. Yeah. Right. Um, that's okay. not necessarily trauma, but if right. there's guilt over like you actually didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, do we, do you see that like a lot mm-hmm. with some of the first responders we work yeah. with where there's guilt there, but it's like, actually the person, you know, had died before you got there. Uh, like there was yeah. actually nothing you can do. Right. So that guilt doesn't match the situation. Ooh. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. It's amazing what our own stories about things yeah. do against like the facts that might be available to us. Like mm-hmm. what, what, what is true and yeah. what we decide to be true. Well, and that's like a lot of the trauma work, like the, the goal of it, right, is is to get a more accurate understanding of of what happened, mm, yeah, and to have that um, permeate your emotions, mm-hmm. like so that you're able to like respond more accurately mm. to that right. memory, right? Yeah, so that you're not holding that right. those um, those beliefs that are not helpful and not yeah. based in um, what actually happened, right? Yeah. 
So uh, I'm so interested in like, just thinking about like the, the question of guilt, like say you did really screw something up. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kind of process might that, uh, how do you, how do you move past guilt? What does it mean to like make amends or, I mean, it's hard to speak yeah. generally about yeah. things, but, um, but the first thing that like came up for me when you said that was like, oh, there's probably a grief process that like, ah, needs to happen there. Like I'm just, I'm bummed about this. Yeah. Or like I did something that went against my values oh, as a yeah, person right. and uh, I need to grieve that experience right. um, and identify like what I need to do to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How I need to make amends. Like that's going to look so different for everybody. Yeah. I appreciate that um, pointing out grief. It does seem that grief is hiding out in all kinds oh, of yeah. <laughs> all yeah. kinds of human experiences yeah. and spaces. Of it's not just like this. This thing um, is no more. It's like this. I wasn't who I wanted to be. And yeah. It makes me so sad. Or yeah. I um, didn't say a thing a way that feels important to me now, mm-hmm. and that makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about yeah. kind of going back to your original question about like, what are some of those other signs of like that a person may be holding on to yeah. trauma? Um, and I think about to like maybe, um, having a restricted range of mo- emotion. Yeah. So like, like what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Or but in the sense different? of like, um, no matter what happens, I always feel angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, what's that about? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and that—that's probably rooted in something, in something past. Like, if you, if your emotions aren't really matching with what you yeah. feel like the situation mm-hmm. should be, mm-hmm. um, or you know, would would usually produce in somebody, right? Um, and there's a restricted range of response Ooh, there yeah. that could be an indication, right? That there's there's something that you're holding on right. to. Yeah. I mean, I get pretty fired up about um, feminist things. Um, and the, uh, people around me love to, you know, uh, make fun of me for that in like lovely ways. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so on, on one level, it'd be like, oh, I'm angry about things. But when I peel that back, I do see a lot of sadness, you know, mm. opportunities that were not available to me, right. particularly in a religious context. Um, yeah sort of the struggle to like prove something, you know, there's a lot, a lot of that stuff actually makes me incredibly sad, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can see that that's why I said like grief is hiding out all over the place. You know, I think I get, I'm like, ah, I'm mad, like pull it away. And there's just like, oh, that's really, that makes me sad about the world I live in. It makes me sad about my niece's opportunity, you know, just like makes me sad about like these people who sort of betrayed their own values by treating me or other people a certain way. Um, I think, yeah, that the range of motion or knowing I go to this, but there's something underneath. And thinking about that too like what does the anger provide you with mm-hmm. wait but that maybe the, the sadness doesn't like there mm. might be a, a reason why oh that's interesting present. yeah yeah yes yeah, motivating yeah totally I like it fires me up yeah <laughs> but then it it, it it it's like serves you until it no longer serves you right. and then it starts like punching you in the face yeah <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah i think that's the interesting thing about 
our, our emotions is that like, they're there to tell us something, but when we don't pay attention to them, yeah. um, things get louder or warped or, or I, I don't know what would be a better way of saying some of that. But like, if I continue to ignore the sadness under yeah. my anger, what do those things turn into? Do mm-hmm. they make me closed, mm-hmm. bitter, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, d- needing to prove myself at the expense of right. relationships? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like both of those serves a, serve a function with, yeah. you, with you. Right. Um, and so focusing on one, to the detriment of the other, right? right Reveal like it, it gives us a certain result, right? Um, that may or may not be helpful right. in the long run, but like taking both of them together seems mm. like it'll be way more productive, at least to the situation that we're talking right. about. Right? Yeah, now, right? yeah. I sound like I'm a really unhealthy person. I really am. Not. <laughs> um, but I, I think it is helpful thinking about people listening to like think about what does that really sound like or look like or what are those emotions and that's real for me I yeah I, I go to those things but no underneath it you know there are other yeah. things there yeah which are just as important mm-hmm. uh, we talked a little bit about this when we chatted about having this conversation but I, I still keep thinking about um contempt beyond relationships like mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I was thinking about it kind of like a thought experiment like yeah. where are the other places that contempt is quite present I think about polarization and yeah. um, political difference yeah. I think currently in Alberta um, people are really struggling with decisions that the government the UCP are making and mm-hmm. there is some I don't am I sensing contempt there it, like is um i i think so like yeah in in terms of like what we talked about earlier contempt being like a combination of anger and disgust right like that seems accurate this does seem accurate in terms of a political climate which comes from a lot of insecurities uh in terms of economic insecurities uh well i mean that's that's a huge one uh things have shifted so much in our province uh, i I think in terms of like global market and uh, what that looks like yeah so there's probably a lot of fear mixed into that as well fear yeah you really talked about fear yeah what could we say about that what could you say about that (laughs) (laughs) a lot um but in this context like maybe trying to keep it focused around contempt. Yeah. Um, I think fear and insecurities probably go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, I think about that when, when people are coming from a, or, or like they're displaying like, well, contempt, like mm-hmm. you're they're they're communicating to somebody else or a group of people or whatever you're less than Mm -hmm. my opinion is right. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, in the right, you're worthless, whatever. Um, I think there is fear there. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of like, if that, you know, if that person starts to let go of some of the contempt, Mm -hmm. what does that mean for them? Like what are they trying to control? Hmm. Um, I think they're trying to make themselves feel safe in a way, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens when you let go of that oh. and you just feel 
the vulnerability in it. Ooh. I don't know if that's a fully formed thought. Oh, but I like that's it though. Where I it go. seems. Yeah. It seems. Um. It seems pretty important. You know, all of the things that we're doing to protect ourselves from our vulnerability. Um. Like they serve us until they no longer serve us, or they yeah, yeah. Um, sort of entrench us into something, or. Um, and I also think about this in terms of relationship with like contempt for bodies. I think uh, there are all these sorts of messages around like what's a beautiful body, what uh, there's all kinds of conversations around race and white supremacy and like mm. we hold um, thoughts we we don't even realize we're so conscious of that we've sort of inherited or that we just stew in because of the world that we live in. Uh, but I also wondered about like contempt for some of our own memories or mm. parts of our story. Um, again, politics kind of keeps coming up for me in terms of like the rhetoric of our time being so like, I hate what you stand for and actually I hate you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, like where does that where does where does that take us? Like, well, what's the invitation to us when we notice? Like, I have a lot of disgust. What would the word two words disgust? Disgust and anger and, and anger. Yeah, yeah, towards uh, my body, um, my memory, the uh, the politics that are that I don't subscribe to. Um, like I, like if this is all a part of the human experience, mm-hmm. um, and we're looking for mm. some sort of sacred invitation when we are like, whoa, I am so mad and disgusted about, or, or, or even towards my, the, this partner I chose, you know, however yeah. long ago and yeah. the way my needs aren't met. Yeah. How do we move? Where are we, what, what are we moving towards? How can we begin to shift right. away from, um, What's the invitation to us to yeah. into wellness or yeah. wholeness? I think um, maybe at first it's um, the invitation to be introspective oh. um, and to go, okay, like where is this coming from for mm-hmm. me? Um, and what, you know, um, yeah. at our panel a little while ago, um, we somebody pointed out the difference between like what questions and why questions, mm-hmm. which was really it really stood out to me. Mm. You know, like a what question is a, is really a curious question, and a why yeah. ha- tends to have some sort of or it can have some judgment to right. it. Yeah. And I thought that I've really been trying to implement yeah. different kinds of question asking in my life. So if I'm thinking like, wow, I'm feeling a great amount of disgust around something what's going on yeah. rather than like, why do yeah. I feel this way? Yeah. Seems to be an interesting distinction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just throwing that in there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What did I say? Did I say why? You said, you said what? You said exactly that. So, yeah. I wasn't correcting you. You were doing it. <laughs> I, I, what would be, you know, no, it no, seems no, like the okay. right way. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think the why is, uh, in in the case of emotions, it's mm-hmm. like there is some function. Yes. Right. Um, so that's not like a definite answer. It's yeah. just okay. Let's get curious now. Yeah. What's the next question? It's like right. what is, what is going on for me? Or what yeah. is this informing me of? Mm-hmm. 
that's, that, that is, um, maybe has happened in the past Mm -hmm. that mirrors something that's going Mm -hmm. on today or, um, like what, you know, what is it about, you know, this other person that's triggering something in me, Mm um, like getting curious yeah, yeah, about about yourself, I think is so like important. Yeah. Um, so the invitation to emotion, be, right? yeah, introspective. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and then to listen deeply to the other side, I think ooh. is the other hard part. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, what do you What do you mean when you say other side? Um, so your partner. Yeah. If we're talking about a partnership. Yeah. Um, or the other side of you know the politics mm-hmm. that are going on mm-hmm. like there's a there's a reason mm-hmm. why s- certain things are happening mm-hmm. um and maybe trying to understand that other perspective right um can actually be more rich right uh, and um and helpful even if you don't agree with it you don't right. have to agree with it right um but i think um in terms of informing what you do next mm-hmm. like it's important to to listen with respect mm-hmm. as well yeah that seems that th- those are lovely balancing invitations or something that makes something quite complete like listening deeply to oneself what's yeah. what's going on inside and listening to what's going on outside yeah uh and i know for me like when i just ask that those questions i'm not a, always that patient with Mm. listening for the answer like sometimes I have to kind of go at it slant like I like I think something's up for me uh I don't know if I don't know what it is that but if I take a walk yeah and I and I think okay like sometimes sitting down and like with a pen and paper maybe other people are better at journaling those kinds of ask the question I write until I find there it is I tend to like need to do something in my body. I need to like stretch on my yoga mat and like hold the intention with some curiosity, but sometimes not directly Mm -hmm. like ask the question or take a walk and think, okay, like something's unsettling. Some, I feel unsettled and I walk and I walk and then I'm like, boo, there it is. (laughs) Like, there's the thing. Like, what are some like tips? So I think that's like, well, I just want to mention like going for a walk or doing something like that gets you in your body, I Mm -hmm. think is honoring your body and like mm. the the physiological part of the emotion yeah too. like you're attending to that and that's yeah. that's helpful in the process mm. for sure mm. sorry what was your question um just like tips about how to really begin to do, like if we've never been that like um introspective uh or curious about those things i think in particular like we live in a time where it's just like if i'm about to feel something i'll just like go to turn right. on my phone like it's you know what what are the ways that we can begin to develop like a muscle of curiosity around what's going on inside and what's going on outside of us? Yeah. Um, That's a good question. Yeah. Like some, some people might like to journal, take a walk. And even like journaling doesn't have to be sit down and write three pages or 16 pages or whatever. Like it can literally just be writing a question to yourself that Mm. you want to think about and then coming back to it, you know, later today, coming back to it tomorrow. Right. Um, just to kind of jog your your memory and just 
kind of bring your focus back to, oh yeah, I do really want to yeah. dive into that. So yeah, journaling can just be like point form. Yeah. You can just be writing a question that you can refer back to. Yeah. Um, for some people it's like dig into it in relationship, yeah. like with the, the safe people in your right. life who, right. um, right. Aren't afraid it out. to seek truth right. or to speak truth to you. Right. Yeah. Like I find that helpful yeah. personally is like, yeah, just, you know, getting all my thoughts yeah. out there and going, I need to process this out loud yeah. with somebody who can right. just Hold kind of my ref- messy, yeah. ugly feelings. And just like <laughs> reflect it back to me. Yeah. And, um, so that can be done in, in yeah. you know, just your normal relationships. It can be done in a therapy room. It doesn't yeah. always have to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to contempt and, um, sometimes people can't find their way back. Uh, towards love and trust in a relationship. Yeah. Um, and something that I've wondered about in uh, breakups or the ends of relationships is the way that narratives change mm. around, uh, I mean, hearing things like, oh, well, he never used to, or she never did anyways. or And there have been moments in my life where I thought, think that's true like yeah and I understand the human um instinct to sort of like be the hero of your own story just to sort of survive a hard thing and like get out in as like whole of a version of yourself as you can but what I what sort of struck me in those times is like how that the good parts of a story or an intimate past get lost yeah and it, it's made me sad, you know, yeah. to think, no, I've been around these relationships when there was something beautiful and fun and light, but in the end, you know, a divorce or a separation has meant the, the story has shifted yeah. so much to that person never and won't. Yeah. And I hate, yeah. you know, is there, I don't know what my question is, except I think about that a lot. And I mean, I didn't ever have like, I didn't have like significant relationships before the one I'm married into, but I had, you know, some really lovely dating experiences that kind of broke my heart and they weren't ever that significant. But I remember being really sad about this one for a long time. Mm. It didn't go where I wanted it to go. And I was just so sad about it. And, uh, and then starting to like, put the story away because it was hard to think about. And then like having this moment where I thought, no, that is one of the best stories of my life. Like Mm. I don't want to not own it and enjoy the good parts, even though it broke my heart and I was sad about it for a year or something, you know, like whatever that was in my (laughs) twenties. And I've wondered about that when it comes to contempt and, and relationships that end and how people shift their own story and can there be, I don't know what my question is. Does it, d- does it, okay. um, um, do we just need to like accept that that's just like what the end of a relationship or a friendship or, you know, sort of setting a different boundary looks like, or uh, I think people are so different too, I guess. I think when people are able to, okay. So what you're talking about is the ability to hold, um, like two opposite things ah, at the same time. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is what makes you the professional. Okay. 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 Yes. Right. That like, this thing broke me, yeah. but also 
made you. Made in, you. Like in some ways, right? Yes. Yeah. Can we do that? Absolutely. We can like, do The whole that. of human experience is is often is about that. holding two things that, that seem to be opposing at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's challenging. Yeah. Because it, it creates discomfort in yeah. us. Um, but it's also really emotionally intelligent thing to be able to do. Ooh. <laughs> that's, ex- I think that's the language I've been looking for mm. for years, <laughs> which is, I- I've wanted more in these stories. I want, I've want, I, I think maybe I have been at a distance and thought, yes, this relationship of these people I really care about and ended and I can see that that was there was a brutality a sadness yeah frustration anger all of that hurt but also remember you know the and yeah I think that's it holding these opposite things at the same time and it seems like a paradox it seems like it should not go but that is the human experience there is paradox everywhere even in our intimate relationships yeah yeah and I'm just, I'm not sure if this is a fully formed thought again, but <laughs> like going it. back to contempt, it's yeah. like, it seems like, um, contempt is showing like a difficulty in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's like everything has become negative yes. and there is no positive. Yeah. It's like, well, if I, you know, if an observer is looking in, yeah, like, we could probably see both positive and negatives yes. in both partners. Yes. Um, but when partner is having trouble doing that yeah like remembering and even acknowledging when it does when the positives do happen right, right? they're just discounting them and yeah. going everything's negative mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah the, the paradox thing yeah is, i like that important. again it, it does kind of it kind of wraps us up in this place of uh where we started which is like adding emotional resiliency yeah. to our intellectual honesty like we can think about these things we can think about them deeply but we also want to be people who develop uh, ways of holding the tensions of our emotional lives, both inside of us and the ways that that informs and uh, shapes the relationships around us. If somebody wanted to uh, like connect with you or ask a question or even like understand more, are, are you're not doing private practice. Are you? Um, yeah, I you am. You are? But, okay. But pretty um, specific and focused. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, could anyone find you or your wisdom somewhere? Or, oh, uh, I'm happy to talk to people. Yeah? yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they can reach out to us and we could oh, put, yeah. put them in touch with you. Yeah. And, and if you were to uh, recommend, you know, some books around or some thinkers or I don't know if you're, I don't think you're big on Instagram, are you? <laughs> I haven't <laughs> and I rarely post anything yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, or like even websites that could be like helpful tools to explore some of the things we've talked about I mean obviously we've talked about Gottman's work yeah and do you so, have a favorite there are, they have a lot of books do yeah you have a favorite the seven principles of making marriage yeah. work yeah like that just like summarizes their yeah. research so beautifully right and, and I do find the examples I would love them to update it yeah. they're quite gendered in terms of the man goes out and works Yes. The woman stays home. And I remember being like, come on. Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> but the, the stuff is still good. Have you ever yeah. flipped through their book, um, The Relationship Cure? No, I haven't. Which I also have that Gottman book on my shelf. And I remember really liking it yeah. in a different way. So yeah. 
would recommend that. Yeah, are there great. Others, other um, authors or so books, I or... was going to mention though too, like the Gottman Institute, mm-hmm. um, they have like a number of different bloggers. And so there's, oh. um, they put out blogs like all the time. Well, somebody and... was just telling me they get their weekly email, the yeah. Gottman email. And so there's a lot more updated okay. stuff great. in that. And you can follow their Institute on Facebook and all yeah. of that jazz yeah. too. Okay, great. Yeah. Anyone else, anything else that could be helpful? Um, I have to think about like just general, like emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. I love anything by Brene Brown. Yeah. Like probably everybody who's listening yeah. has already heard of her, but, right. um, it she's just up. so, yeah. 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 Like her work is really, really yeah. important right now. Yeah. Um, and all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like recommend anything from her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone else? Um, specifically around relationships. Yeah. I usually also say, um, uh, Sue Johnson. Okay. Um, she's got a book. What was it called? Um, I am drawing a blank on what it's called. People can Google it. Yeah. It's like, do you want me to look it up? Sure. Sue Johnson. Johnson, not Johnson. Uh, Love Sense? That one's a little bit more clinical, I think. The There's another one. Perpetual Now? Becoming an Emotional. Hold me tight. Hold That's me what it's tight. Called. I haven't <laughs> seen it on the list. Okay. Yes. Oh, Attachment Theory. Cana- she's Canadian. She is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Canadian psychologist, couples therapist, and author. Yeah, she developed... Hold um, me tight. I see it. Yeah, okay. emotionally focused therapy for couples. Okay. And so that um, gets deep into like cycles and um, patterns of interaction that, that have happened over time right. with couples. Um, and also like digging deep into the emotions and breaking those cycles. And so ah. hold me tight. I think the, the subtitle might be like seven, seven? or eight. Oh, seven. Seven. Conversations. <laughs> I can't quite click on this. Um, yeah, seven conversations for a lifetime of love. Yes. Good so, um, okay. Yeah, she gives a lot of um, good information, but also Great. like starting these conversations right. to kind of transform your relationship. Right. Um, so that one's also a, a really great one. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I did go a little over time, but we have covered a lot. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Is there anything else you would want to add? You probably think I, about it driving home. Like, probably. Oh, yeah. I should this way, but yeah. this is the beauty of conversations. Yeah. They like hold what they hold, you know, and they offer what they offer. I think, yeah, and I think also like I, like in a conversation like this, mm-hmm. um, I'm always like, I like the, the challenge and the back and forth. And so mm-hmm. like, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I'm not sure what she means like by this, or yeah. I think about it a little differently. Right. Like, I'd actually welcome that like follow-up yeah. conversation. Yeah. Cause I find like all, I will learn through that yeah. as well. Like yeah. I'm constantly learning about like the interactions totally. and the emotions and, and all of that stuff. Like yeah. it's a continual journey. Right. So it really is. Yeah. Yeah, this is the beauty of these conversations is that there's something kind of organic to them. They, yeah, they hold what they hold. They don't cover everything. Neither yeah. of us are lecturing or yeah. preaching here. Yeah. We're just talking back and forth. So yeah. thanks for being up for that yeah. and exploring kind of the complexity of this 
I think not only uh, reality of relationships and sort of desire to like avoid that in our intimate relationship, the kind of patterns of contempt, but also sort of spotting where that is present culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a pretty loud ways right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's profound to take this conversation and, and check in with ourselves um, and check in with our relationships to see about sort of our own health inside, yeah. our own health yeah. uh, outside and, and do what we need to do to uh, bring, bring about flourishing and, and healing and wholeness in, in these places. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for the work <laughs> that you do and um, helping humans in the world and in our city, uh, especially in a helping profession like first responders do that from a healthy and more healed place. That's, yeah. that's profound, actually. My name is John, and I help Bobby make the episodes for Between Sundays. In Bobby's intro, she talked about going back and reflecting on the conversation in the context of the before times. And my own reaction re-listening to this conversation has me examining the state of some of my own relationships. Not with my spouse or anyone listening to this podcast, but it does make me reevaluate which grievances, if any, are worth holding on to. Between Sundays is a production of Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. Bobby Sockold is the host and Jonathan Petkow is the producer. Artwork by Angie Ishak. Special thanks to Rachel Duplessis for coming to hang out with us. You can follow us on Instagram at BTW Sundays. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>